Hi, this is Dr. Mark Sell, and this is the podcast Therapy for the Heart, episode 87. I'm going to talk today about what's essential for emotional health. <clears throat> and the emotional health is very important because it affects so many aspects of our, our life, work, love, sex. So first of all, in terms of your emotional or emotional health, it's important to have awareness of what our emotions are. If we don't have awareness, then we don't have much control of our emotions. So that's what could happen if a parent is frustrating and uh, frustrated and anger, angry about something that happened at, at work, for instance, and they might go home and take it out on their kids. How come you didn't get your homework done? So if they were aware of their feelings and what was the source of their feelings, like the frustration at, at work, they would be less inclined to take it out on their kids. And that often happens when families, it's, they're frustrated about something, and instead of sit, sitting down, kids playing, for instance, and making a lot of noise, instead of sitting down and with the child and just saying that you'd like them, is it possible for them to be quieter when they play? But many people act out of their feelings, then they take it out on other people. So awareness is very important of your feelings and what your and, and where your source of your feelings are, the source of the frustration at work. If you're aware of that, you'd be less inclined to act it out with other in other situations with other people. Denial is a big deal too, because if we deny our, uh, if we, we pointed out denial is a helpful defense because we can sometimes if somebody dies in your in your life, you, denial you just have to shut it out for a while, but denial of your feelings is is not helpful at all. Uh, it can lead to bigger bigger problems. Uh, it can turn into physical problems if you deny your your uh, emotions to yourself. You could start to have ulcers. You could get other symptoms. And don't externalize your problems because it's, you know, people often play the blame game. Everybody else is responsible for my actions, not me. So you're walking down the street, for instance, and uh, you might in a bad, bad, in a bad mood, and you might just look, be looking to pick fights. So somebody bumps into you, and it's not aggressive. You might want to go to war with them because you're already primed to want to pick a fight. So we have to be careful to not externalize problems, not externalize uh, the source of our problems. Otherwise, it becomes it's all their fault. It's all society's fault. And uh, that's not a good way to live. It's not a good way to live because that can turn into being um, feeling like a victim. And therefore, everything else is somebody, poor me, pour me another drink. Because that's also what happens when people have a problems with drinking. It's, uh, they feel sorry for themselves. Not only people have problems with drinking, but they tend to feel maybe victimized. And it's not, it's not them that's creating the problem. It's their wife or their kids. So it's very important to own your own feelings. It's a little trite saying, but it really means true. If you don't, you're going to be, you're going to be also then feeling like you're a victim. And that's not a good place to be. Because then you don't have any control. Everybody else is, you know, causing your problems. If you locate your problems within yourself, you're going to have a much better life in general, overall. So, people with strong social relationships live longer than their isolated peers. There's a tremendous um, problem, for instance, in the United States, in terms of in terms of our emotions. 
in terms of loneliness in the U.S. and the U.K. So, in other words, in both big countries, it's it's way on the top top of their list in terms of problems like diabetes is way up there. Well, so is loneliness. And why is that? Why is there so much loneliness in the U.S. and the U.K.? But it's a fact, and uh, there's, no re there's no reason on the surface to be lonely. But then why are so many people lonely? I think, I think partly it's because it's so easy to connect with people through other means rather than talking. And why is it that people would just rather do text? I'm not, I'm not against texting per se. I'm not, because that's very helpful to me. It's very helpful in many ways. But why would somebody necessarily text rather than pick up a phone and say, Hi, Joe, I just was thinking about you. Or, you know, how, you, how have you been doing? On a text, you can say the same thing. It's not the same thing with making a personal call. So why don't people want to make that call? It's just, it's just habit. They're used to texting. That's our culture now. That's part of it. I have an idea, though, that it's harder to make a call because then you, you face the feeling that maybe that other person don't want, doesn't want to hear from you. And I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. Well, I'm not going to call. They're not, they don't really... It might not be so conscious, but that's one of the reasons because, oh, they're not interested in hearing from you. That's your own self-esteem self talking, but that's not going to happen, happen on a text or a feeling, yeah, or a feeling, feeling rejected or feeling like you don't have anything to say, you know, which is people often feel that they don't have anything to say, so they don't make a call. I think we really need to get back to something more personal between people rather than that short form of connection. So what we need to do is elevate social connections as a pub public health priority. That's what my guess would be, because we have loneliness way up there, US and, U.S. and the U.K. We have so many people looking at their phones rather than making a personal call. So I would say elevate social connections and make it a, a pub public health priority, just like we do with diabetes, just like we do with loneliness, just like we do with cancer. This is the cancer in my mind that we have in, this, in society, is not being able to connect with each other because we just are afraid, we don't want to be rejected. Uh, it's harder, a lot more work, pick up a phone. Another problem uh, with, is with symptoms like depression, the people who have a tendency to be depressed. So what they tend to do is isolate often and stay away from people. So rather than tell a friend, you know, I'm feeling kind of depressed. Oh, that's another reason why, I don't, why people don't want to make a telephone call, because they're ashamed of themselves for whatever reason. Like, maybe they're depressed, and they feel ashamed. They shouldn't be depressed. They've got everything. They have a job, blah, blah, blah. Well, like the, like the story of Richard Corey, which was sung by Simon and Garfunkel. Richard Corey, as you might remember, everyone thought that this their boss had everything. All the employees thought, wow, he's got he's got it made, he's got this great house, he's got he has money, he can feel free to do whatever he wants to do. So the end of the story, to make a long story short, since I've told about it before, Richard Corey took a gun and he put a bullet to his head when he went home. That's how happy he was. But on the surface, and the surface is not doesn't tell us too much, you know, but on the surface, what's the surface? He's got a good house, he's got a lot of people working for him, he has money. 
But if you have, if you lose those things, what do you have? If there's too much invested in those things, you lose them. What do you have? But if you have yourself and a good connection with yourself, you have good self-esteem, you're not going to be so that desperate if you happen to feel depressed for a while. You won't feel ashamed. Shame is a soul killer. There's so many feelings that we have, so many things that we don't do out of shame, the anticipation of shame. I don't think there's a person that walks into this office with a, an anxiety about feeling that they shouldn't be coming to therapy and there's something wrong with them because they need help. Where did they get that notion that there's something wrong? You know where it's coming from? It's because their needs weren't met and their interpretation as to why their needs weren't met is because there was something wrong with them. They didn't deserve it. So we live with these feelings of depression. We get to know them. We learn to live with them and also learn to not attack ourselves for having these feelings. When I was doing some research, I found that there are some people, I don't remember the number, but some people who don't have a friend in the world. That's a pretty sad situation because, I mean, what is a friend? Why is it important to have a good friend? Well, there's so many different reasons. You can, you can they'll give the shirt off their back for you. You could tell them everything and not worry about how they're going to judge you. You can depend upon them in many different ways. You can hang out with them. Company is very important. Being loved by that good friend, being cared about. What's more important? I lost a very good friend of mine, my best friend about five months, six months ago. And I miss him dearly. We hung out all the time, but so I knew what was what it's like to have not have him because it was a big gap. So I know it's just important to have a good friend. I don't think you can have too many good friends because then you don't have enough time to spread it out because it takes time to develop a friendship. And I think that's very important for people to know too. I mean, if you think about it, it takes it takes time to develop it and, and also risk. Risk, risk uh, to say, oh, I'd like to hang out with you. Or, um, you know, would you like to do such and such to thing? Or, or them, for them to be supportive of you in, in, in your dire times in life. You know, very important for, for, for friendships. Uh, more important, I think, than anything else in, in some ways, certainly in life. So you can rely on a friend. Sometimes friends will betray you. And that's a reality, but most likely it's not going to happen. Dealing with anger is often very difficult for many people. Uh, and if you don't deal with anger, it, it can go against you. One of the things with anger is that you can turn, an, turn something against yourself that's really not really your fault. Because that's a tendency, though, that when children are brought up without room to, to voice how they feel about their parents that are often scolding them and ridiculing them. Then they take it against themselves and they say, well, I'm, I'm bad, I'm not, I don't deserve it, I don't deserve love. And that's, that's a terrible feeling. And also anger can turn in terms of uh, anger. If, if you see if you're conscious of your anger, 
then you then you don't have to repress it. I don't even know if that's true. You can still repress it. But if you're conscious of it, it's less likely to turn against you so like with a with a physical symptom or a sickness sickness like or back pain. We talked about how many people have back pains that are scientifically proven to relate be related to anger and not being able to discharge anger. So anger is another has another tendency to you can attack yourself in terms of your own thoughts. So instead of feeling smart as you probably are, and most people are intelligent, uh, most people have a, a, you know an adequate IQ, but that they might forget about that because they might think that they're if they make a mistake, they'll start to call themselves stupid. And they're not stupid at all, but that's a, again that's a the feeling is turned against the self because that person. That's what they had to do in their life in order to protect the people who hurt them initially. And the people who hurt them initially generally are the people who raised them. But they weren't given license to say, oh, well, I, I just said something that was attacking of you. I don't, didn't mean to do that. And then the child could say, yeah, you, yeah, you really you did do that. You know, I'm really pissed off at you. How many times is that going to happen in a family? I don't know. But I'm, so that's one of the big things about feelings and anger. It can turn against yourself and against your intellect, against your body, creates physical problems like ulcers. And that's another reason why our, our emotional health is related to knowing our feelings and how we tend to deal, those, deal with those feelings. Like if you're angry or hurt, sometimes people eat and they become obese because they eat instead of feeling. That's very typical. That's why I tell them, ask people to write down their feelings when they feel like eating, just to write them down on a piece of paper because you can discharge the, that tendency to eat when you're hurt or when you're lonely. So if you write it down and you become more aware of it, you'll catch yourself. And many people eat because they're hurt, they're angry, and they eat, eat away their feelings instead of living with them. Or drinking. Drinking is a big way that people have to manage their feelings because they are not accustomed to living with their feelings throughout their life. So the best, the easiest recourse is to have a drink. Now one drink is okay, one, maybe two, but if they, it adds up two, three or four or five or six drinks and they're on the road to have a drinking problem in their life. So that's another way that people don't deal with their feelings because you can't. It's not a blaming them, but you're you're accustomed to not being able to be conscious of them because they weren't brought up that way. So a drink is very quick and easy, right? You just take the edge off, and then taking the edge off the end of the day becomes much more problematic, often in the long run. So I went through a lot of things here about our feelings and why it's important to be aware of our feelings and how to deal with them and not to externalize them, not to blame others for our feelings, not to make ourselves feel a victim, and to build relationships with others. So this is Dr. Mark Sell from the podcast Therapy for the Heart, podcast number 87. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank David for doing all the work to help set this podcast up. And just a reminder that if you have any questions, you could shoot me an email at marksell at gmail.com. 
Um, make sure you download the episodes, and if you have time, you can also make a comment if you'd like. And uh, we'll see you next week.